This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Imagine what it was like in Warsaw, Poland during World War II. The country was occupied by the Germans. And if you went to mass one morning, your priest just might not be there. You will not have known what happened to him, but he would be gone and you would know that something terrible happened. He was either shot or in a concentration camp. During the time we know about the Jews being rounded up and taken away, it was just a horrible time for the Polish people during that occupation. The priests were all taken away. Well, the able-bodied priests were all carted away. The priests that were left, though, were elderly and ill. And so there were some, and there was mass at some parishes. At one Warsaw parish, an old priest asked a man named Jan Tyronowski, Jan in Polish, but I'm speaking English, so I'm going to call him Jan. He asked him to see to the needs of the young people in his parish. They were without a foundation. Everything was being taken away from them, their identity and the uncertainties of their life. And he wanted somebody there to minister to them, to the youth who, you know, he didn't want them to lose their Catholic identity or to lose their Polish identity as far as that goes and to see to their needs. So he asked Jan, but where Jan was in his life was, uh, it was a little odd because he wasn't what we would consider the most likely candidate. He was really a shy person, an introvert by nature. He was a contemplative. He spent many hours in prayer. He was a student of John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila. He would have liked to have been a hermit, but he had an elderly mother to take care of. So he had to work and he was a tailor. His life was one of mysticism, even though he had to work as a tailor to take care of his mother, even though he had his obligations. He wasn't social at all, and people thought him kind of odd. So we wonder how, how it is that he's the one that was asked. Well, I think it's because someone for this job had to be a person connected to the Lord, maybe had to be a mystic, somebody who could respond to the Holy Spirit at the spur of a moment and uh, be able to, to listen to God directly because there was not direction. Everything was kind of falling apart. So he said yes. And you would think, you know, and the reason why he said yes is because he was a mystic and he knew, he knew that the Holy Spirit wanted him to do this. So how did he manage it? Well, for a time, he would watch people at the doors of mass. He would watch them as they left and he just stood in the corner and that's what it looked like. But really what he was doing was he was praying. 
he was praying to the Holy Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to choose for him living rosary group leaders. So that's how he was going to do it. He wasn't going to interface and interact with the young people themselves. He was going to choose leaders to do it. And he would mentor those leaders. And because he was so connected to the Lord, he would mentor them one-on-one, giving them exactly what they needed, what the Holy Spirit wanted to give them for this particular time. And so that's what he was doing back there, just just waiting for the Holy Spirit to guide him along. And he, he was going to choose leaders. What would these living rosary groups do? Well, they would have to meet in secret because meeting like this was illegal, especially young people. Youth groups were illegal by the Gestapo. If you were caught, um, unless it was a youth group that had to do with you know Nazi nationalism or something, I mean, if you were caught with a group of young people that was Polish or that was Catholic or both in this case, it was a bad situation. Your family could be rousted out. You could end up in a concentration camp yourself. I mean, so this had to be clandestine work. And that's why it was very dangerous. But these groups would pray and support one another, kind of like the early church, you know, meeting in secret. I mean, praying and supporting one another in the most dire of circumstances. And of course, they would say the rosary. That was the name of the group, living rosary groups. And how were they living? Well, they also supported the community at large. I mean, they got, they did works of mercy clandestinely, like getting word from one family member to another. In an occupied country like that, that was that was hard to do. And young people had the ability and the talent to do that kind of thing. They could get word, they could get medicines, they could serve the community in other ways. So it was really, these groups were really needed by all. And it helped these young people stay the course, keep their faith during these hard times. Out of this group, one of the leaders that Jan Tyronowski chose was Carol Watiwa. And that person we know is John Paul II. And his situation, Carol's situation at this time, is that he was all alone. His father had recently passed away. He came home one day from the factory, and his dad was dead in the apartment. And he had said, at 20 years old, I am all alone. He had not one living relative. He was really alone. And at this time in his life, he had not discerned the priesthood. So he was, you know, he was in need, like all the other young people, very much so. But the Holy Spirit guided Jan to ask him to be a leader, and he was. He was one of them. So what did Jan do for Carol Wetiwa? Well, he was a father figure. He was a mentor and a friend and a spiritual director. He helped him discern his priesthood. But one of the things he did that we don't often hear about is that he introduced him to the writings of John of the Cross. He introduced him to contemplative prayer and mysticism. And, you know, in John Paul II, we had a mystic pope. There's no doubt about it. When that man would pray, we would see him leave this world. He would be in communication with heaven and oblivious. This world would fall away. And then he'd come back to us. But that's, you know, that's where he got his instructions. He had that connection with heaven. And we can kind of trace it back to this introduction to John of the Cross from Jan Tyronowski. Jan, he died within seven years of starting these living rosary groups. 
he didn't see the full fruit of of his efforts. But it's kind of like this. Like when you throw a, a rock in a lake and the waves that come from where the rock enters the water, they dissipate. You know, you see the circles and they dissipate. Well, imagine this. If your mission is from God, if you said yes, even though you're not the likely person, like he was a shy guy and an introvert and everything else, but he, he said yes. When the Holy Spirit inhabits your mission, it's from him. Then when that rock hits the water, instead of those waves dissipating, they gain momentum and they gain momentum over time. And that's kind of how it was with, with Jan, with his yes. Out of those living rosary groups of those leaders that he mentored and the, and the young people attending, 11 vocations were realized out of that. One of those was Carol Wartiwa, who we know becomes the Pope someday. That's pretty cool. And we don't know the extent. I mean, I think we will feel the extent of Jan Tyronowski's yes, a shy, mystic tailor who had to take care of his mother, who would have rather been a hermit. We will see the fruit of his yes, I think until Jesus Christ returns to this earth to reestablish his kingdom. God has a mission for you. He has a mission for each one of us from where we are currently standing. And it doesn't matter how we got here. We think about a GPS. When you drive a car and you go off course all different ways, it continually recalibrates to get you to your destination. It doesn't take you over the road you've been. It just gets you there from where you're currently standing. And that's the way it is with God, only even better, because not only is he recalibrating, Jesus is the divine recreator. That's what Jesus does best. He recreates everything. Think of Adam and Eve. I mean, when Jesus is the new Adam, he's recreating everything. We're going to be far better off than our original parents in the garden because he shares in our nature. We get to share in him, in his nature, in the, in the nature, in the family of the Trinity. We're going to be a lot better off. I mean, when Jesus fixes a situation, for instance, our pasts, no matter how colorful, convoluted they are, when we give it to him, he redeems it and recreates it and does something beautiful with it. So like a GPS, but like a GPS and a divine recreator, he recreates the whole plan to make it work. So our job is really to trust him, trust him with our past. No matter where we're at, we're in the perfect spot to say yes to our next mission. It's all orchestrated right where you are right now. It's completely orchestrated for your yes and your next mission. You're exactly where you need to be. Well, and this is the beautiful thing about it. We're going to get into this further in in subsequent um, shows. But for starters, God has not left you alone in this mission, in this job. Right out the chute, we know that he gave us Mother Mary to be our mother, to be our guide. You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross and he looked down at his mother and and St. John and he said, you know, he said to St. John, behold your mother. And he said to Mother Mary, his mom, behold your son. Her motherhood of all mankind was instituted at that moment. She became our mother. And it's interesting because it's not like she's a mother of all the masses, all my children throughout history, all the millions of people. It's not like that at all. It's filial. It's individual, like a mommy, like she's your mommy. I know one time when I was praying, I had a breakthrough because I called her mom. I know that may not sound as, as I don't know, reverent, but it was so appropriate. And 
when I saw her as mom, instead of, oh, the blessed mother way off there that's unapproachable, but mom, my mom, who who I can talk to and, and cares about every little thing about me, when that happened, then, you know, our relationship developed and she was able to work work in my life in ways that I hadn't allowed her to do before. And so she is the best guide. I mean, when we are going on a on a big trip and we don't know where we're going, we get a guide. If you go, if you're gonna go to Africa on a safari or something, you need a guide. You don't know the terrain, right? The same thing here. We need a guide. Is the best one's the Virgin Mary. And the Lord has given us each an angel. The beginning of time when God created the angels and he created them all at once. He's not continued to create angels. He created them all at once and he created an angel that would be your guardian that was waiting all these all these years for your entry onto human history to accompany you in this world and into the next, to be one of your closest companions in this world and into the next. That's a huge gift. So right away, before we get into all the hows and what to recognize and the blessings and the Holy Spirit and everything else, we know that the Lord gave us his mom, and he gave us an angel. We can say yes to the mission, just like Jan Tyronowski did. It has been such a privilege to be with you today, and I sincerely thank you for joining me. My hope and prayer, and yes, my mission, is that you were inspired towards all the good things that God has for you, that you could have the courage and the grace to say yes to whatever he has for you, wherever you are right now, no matter how you got there. On our next program, we will discuss holy friendship. It's irreplaceable part in that quest. This is Julie Durko with your next mission from God. Pray with me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Durko, produced at the studios of Matriday Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit matridayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatriDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.